The Guardian. Media Talk is brought to you by Taylor Wessing, bringing you the latest on legal development in technology and media. For more information, head to guardian.co.uk slash media dash tech dash law. Welcome back to Media Talk. I'm Matt Wells. Coming up this week, what this will mean for consumers is a new channel dedicated to the provision of local news and content, offering a new voice for local communities with local perspectives that are directly relevant to them. As Jeremy Hunt outlines his vision for a new local TV network in Britain, we ask, can it work? Who will watch it? And isn't regional telly a bit of a joke anyway? Aha! Also in the podcast... The idea that the sky's going to fall down and journalists and the British population are going to be totally corrupted because they're going to provide biased news is absolutely ludicrous. I don't understand why we're so afraid of it. Fox News in Britain could be a goer. Plus, we get the latest on the news of the world phone hacking scandal again. And Taxi for Huggers, the BBC's cab-loving tech chief, hails a ride to Intel. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Hello, everyone. Well, we're on the road this week at the Oxford Media Convention, uh, very much north of Watford, and a highlight of the media calendar, uh, or at least the January bit of the media calendar. Uh, I can tell you that wild horses wouldn't have stopped me from coming here when I heard that Jeremy Hunt would be speaking. Uh, who wouldn't want to listen to the Culture Secretary putting his local TV obsession, oh, sorry, vision into reality? His big idea is to launch a new national digital TV channel uh, which would support a network of regional stations providing a a couple of hours of local programming a day. Uh, but will it work? We'll hear from The Guardian's Dan Sabber and Maggie Brown uh, shortly. But firstly, I caught up with the Culture Secretary after his speech and I asked him whether he thought there was any demand for his plan. All the Ofcom research very clearly says that people are hungry for local content and, you know, I quoted some of the statistics in my speech um, and I've never had any problem persuading people that it's what the public want. Um, if you talk to any MP about what their constituents want, they will say local newspapers are unbelievably important. The question is commercial viability. That's always where the doubt has been and that's what I've tried to address in this action plan that I published today, tried to create a structure that I believe can be commercially viable. The other doubt is whether it's technically viable because on DTT you can't do all the opt-outs all at once that, that you want to do, you can't do Sheffield and Leeds at the same time, you can't do Liverpool and Manchester at the same time, so even if it might be technically vi- commercially viable and the people want it, you can't actually deliver your vision in the current setup, can you? It's absolutely true that DTT can't deliver hyper-local TV with very, very small geographically it can't defined do, It can't do cities areas. either. It can do some cities, absolutely, um, and the structure that I've outlined today, I believe, makes that possible. Um, but it depends on which technical solution you go to as to which cities would be served. You accept but you I, can't do Leeds and Sheffield at the same time and you can't do Liverpool and Manchester at the same time? Well, what I'm saying is we're not going to get to a full local TV solution by what I've announced today. We are going to get part of the way there. I think in the long run, IPTV is going to be the way that we uh, really allow the most granular versions of local TV for towns of you know, 12,000, 15,000 people, for example, which is eminently possible in IPTV. Um, But what I want to do is to create a stepping stone towards that. And part of that is to show how it can be commercially viable in some larger population areas to give people the confidence to give it a go in smaller population areas. So how did the Culture Secretary's big idea go down with the big media cheeses in the audience? I'm Mark Damazer. I'm Master of St Peter's College, Oxford, and I was controller of Radio 4. Dawn Airy. 
president of CLT UFA UK TV, previously chief executive of Channel 5. I think local television is a laudable uh, idea and aim. I think the practicalities, both the economic practicalities and actually uh, having the spectrum um, to yeah, the technical the ten- are unbelievable challenges. But it, I think it's a, a laudable, a laudable aim. Um, Mark Damsler, do you think it can work? Because um, we've heard about the technical difficulties, the economic difficulties, and then there's the question about whether anybody will watch it as well. Well, I mean, let's give Jeremy Hunt his due. He's been championing this issue for several years, both when he was doing this job as a shadow and now when he's got the Cabinet Post itself. And it now does have some leadership and it hasn't had in the past. And good luck to him. What harm can it do? And I am in favour. But he underestimates in his analysis the extent to which the political structures of Britain, its massive centralisation and the lack of strong urban political identities and well-known, as it were, urban political cultures... I think will make it hard to achieve. We could all name Boris Johnson as a mayor. We can't really name many others, and there hasn't been a great clamour for powerful mayors who will take powers away from central government enough to provide an obvious political spine to the kind of new service that he wants to see. Uh, it does seem extraordinary, Dawn, that, uh, that to deliver what people do want, which is news about their area, you choose quite possibly the most expensive way of doing it, which is television. I completely agree, which is why uh, the internet offers a far far more economic and actually more holistic uh, solution. So do you think, five, year, five years down the line, Mark, what, what's your prediction about how many of these local TV stations will be up and running? I think if he gets eight, he'll be doing pretty well. Well, that's the view from the cynical professionals. Time for the professional cynics. Uh, Guardian head of media, Dan Saber, and media commentator, Maggie Brown. Uh, you were both listening to uh, Jeremy Hunt, and, and Dan, you, uh, you were with me when we were uh, questioning Hunt afterwards. This is, finally, he's going to put his big idea into practice, isn't he? Well, at least it's a cheap idea. <laughs> look, is it, look, local TV, it sounds great. It might even be quite a good idea. Who knows? It might even work. It might even work. You mentioned some of the technical difficulties. You can't get Liverpool and Manchester on the, uh, uh, at the on at the same time, which is a bit of a problem, I think, if you want city-based services. But the problem here is, is this... Re- it's an idea. It's not a big idea. Look at what Jeremy's responsible for. He talked about being responsible, in effect, for, what, 10% of GDP in his speech. He referenced music, computer games, and the newspaper industry in his speech. He's offering these three large industrial sectors nothing at all, uh, but he is offering local television. And I just don't think, if you're talking about, I don't know, uh, you know, an economic regeneration around the creative industries, if you're talking about developing the creative industries internationally or globally, he, he's offering us nothing at all here. And I think in that sense, it's a very disappointing speech. This is very interesting, Maggie, isn't it? Because if this is the big idea for media and the creative industries, it's not a very exciting one. Well, it's, it is a small idea. I agree with Dan. The only good thing I would say now is that he said, give me your ideas now, March. I'm going to start licensing or getting, after they've done some technical, more, much more technical work, we could start even licensing around 2011, 12, and hopefully these will start in 2013. So it's not like how, it is like having teeth extracted but at least you know it's going to happen and it may work and it may not work it may fly in some small way it may not fly in some small way but by that time hopefully as well be approaching his super fast broadband universal coverage and that's where I think the real hope lies in having proper uh, fast broadband websites with local community interests I I have no idea if this is going to work or not one thing that has come over to me though rather quite clearly listening to Jeremy Hunt last week at the London School of Economics where he got barracked and this time 
time now, when you actually listen to him, his, his talk about democracy and local democracy is really interesting because most of the so-called big city uh, stations are places like Birmingham. If you, if you look at the map, uh, Bristol, OK, that's a Lib Dem place. But he does... He, he said something very strange last week, that we would have local Jeremy Paxmans who would be grilling you know, local authorities and exposing, presumably, the iniquities of uh, Labour-run councils. So maybe there is this kind of... A political interest that's driving him as well, just, not just if what Dan's talking about, you know, digital economy, Britain and all of that. It's, but, it's politics. But, but as Mark Damsel was saying, uh, we don't have the political structures in Britain like they. I mean, we could name Boris Johnson as the mayor, mayor of London. As Alex Salmond, we can probably name as a... But when it, when it comes down to who's the mayor, mayor of Leeds, no one has any idea, do they? Look, regional, tele- what, regional television works very well in places like Northern Ireland, yes. indeed in Scotland, where there's a really strong regional identity, maybe to a lesser extent somewhere like the North East. But a lot of towns and cities in, in, in England and in Wales, it's, it's nothing like a strong, certainly in England. You, you look at the, look what's happening to the local press. The local press is, sort of, is dying. And frankly, people's idea, I think, of local news nowadays, if you're young, is what's on your Facebook updates. That's what people want to know about. It's not so much... You know, the battle over planning on the other side well, of town. Is, this is the bit that I don't understand. Why didn't he, if you want to, to build a local news network, why didn't he build it up from, from the things that already exist? Say, already, whether it's your, all these local websites that he talked about. Well, he talked is, about hyper local websites. Point, really. I mean, uh, Claire Enders made this point in, in one of the debates about uh, local media that actually what people want as a bedrock is still ITV news, regional news. And that, and we've seen yesterday, for example, Scottish TV saying it's going to, going to amend its service to have an Edinburgh-based um, uh, local news and a Glasgow one as well as the north of Scotland. And in some ways, this is now a challenge for ITV. In fact, it's a challenge for all the other terrestrials who might face a so-called Channel 6 springing up behind them, maybe edging them down the EPG. They're going to have to think hard, really, about what are they going to do about... Uh, regional news and if ITV has any sense it will start to sort of really get hard, hard-headed about it maybe, and come to some decisions Maybe the big idea in that case isn't this local t- TV stuff, maybe it's the, as he's called it uh, the radical reform of communications legislation and, and regulation that he's going to introduce in 2015 he's, you know, he could start dismantling the entire uh, legacy of, of, of media, media regulation could lead, as we were, um, uh, as we'll be hearing later in the podcast, to a, free, a Fox News style TV news service in Britain. Perhaps that that will be the Hunt legacy. It's about the only thing he ruled out, though, Matt. The one thing he he, he kept talking about the importance of impartiality in, in in TV news is about the one thing that seemed to be off the table. I think the thing is we had a long narrative of deregulation in some areas, like radio ownership. We need more deregulation. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, we could think of other places where there might, you know, it might make some sense merging the trust and Ofcom. And, oh boy, I mean, I'm, you know, it's fine, but it all feels pretty dull. And after we've gone through a bit more deregulation, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we go. I think what we really need is a much more intelligent industrial strategy. Maggie said something quite sharp earlier on about the, 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 re, the, the need to get fast broadband more broadly deployed. How do we incentivise BT and so forth to do that? Do we even think about putting public money in for some of the more remote areas? How do we really build up our industries, have a proper industrial policy and some sort of long-term economic policy? This, these feel like the sort of big opportunities. You know, shaving off a bit of deregulation here and a bit of deregulation here, there, it might be necessary but it ain't a strategy. Dan, did you expect the uh, 
bill to come forward in, in 2015. I had thought it was coming a little bit earlier than that. That's what struck me from today, to actually have a timetable that is quite a long way out as well. I, look, I guess that's right. I... I suppose it'll only be a year or what would it have been otherwise, 2012, 2013? Well, the ITV licences are 2014, aren't they? So in some ways, I, I'd known, I, I hadn't expected a green paper to be so fast. This is what's come out at me today. So it's happening this year, the green paper. I know green is green. White is, we knew, 2012. But then there's this quite long gap, presumably because of parliamentary business, until 2015, which leaves an awful lot... Of course, that's when the broadband... Plenty of time for debate and consultation. And, and and also hard <laughs> talk to about it. it from now yes, until then. Indeed, uh, hard to pin it on any one minister if it, or secretary of state if it doesn't happen. Oh, all right. Well, I, I mentioned the uh, deregulation stuff, and will we see a Fox News in Britain? It was discussed on the panels here uh, in Oxford about whether the green light would be given to opinionated TV news here, like Fox in America. Um, and it's a particularly topical subject, of course, in the wake of the Arizona shootings. Uh, now, we heard earlier from Mark Damazer and Dawn Airy. Damazer is a former editor of the Nine O'Clock News, and Airy had responsibility for Sky News when she was at B Sky B. Here's what they think. I believe we do need in this country very strong impartial news provided from more than one source, so therefore the two PS or the three PSB should provide impartial news. Outside of that, I think we are more connected than we've ever been, we are more curious than we've ever been, so why on earth can't we provide also, if there is the demand for it, services that aren't impartial? Um, And it's just part and parcel of the sort of kaleidoscope of views that you can access. The idea that the sky is going to fall down and journalists in the British population are going to be totally corrupted because they're going to provide biased news. It's absolutely ludicrous. I don't understand why we're so afraid of it. Well, is the reason why we're so afraid of it, Mark Damser, because of what we've seen in in the US with the whole Gabriel... Giffords. Uh, We're afraid of the corruption of the public discourse. Well, we were afraid of it before that, and that simply exacerbated feelings about it. I mean, what I would say is that when Fox came along, CNN seemed to many of us watching all of this to lose its gravitational centre and began to chase Fox in a certain way of doing news, which eventually CNN recovered from. But that showed you that in the States... Fox did have um, a contaminating or corrosive effect on public debate. The difference in the UK is that we do have a well-funded, largely respected and valued BBC and there are, it's not only the BBC, Channel 4 News and others can still do it. So the question is... Would that continue? W- w- would that continue? That's partly a question of resourcing and it's partly a question of will and culture inside those institutions that if we do go down the road of having more opinionated news and lose our impartiality regulations, it is incredibly important that these other institutions which are providing public and impartial news with the citizen at the centre of its definition of what it's doing hold on to that and do not chase Fox or its equivalent all over the place in the UK. Uh, right, Dan and Maggie are here still, and I'd like to take a look at a few of uh, the other, uh, some of them interconnected media stories. Uh, and talking about news corporations, Sky and Jeremy Hunt, as we were, Dan, uh, what, what's the latest on the Murdoch bid to take full control of Sky, which is on the desk of the Culture Secretary? The latest is the Culture Secretary is working really hard to tell us as little as he can, not just about his decision, but about the process. He, he won't tell us whether he's going to meet with News Corp or any of the Murdochs. He won't tell us whether he'll take submissions 
uh, from them or anything. These apparently they're not commenting on the process for fear it might the simplest statement might move the markets or who knows what. He said that again in the sidelines today. What's odd though is he's supposed to make a decision in about well, it's supposed to be in about ten working days. Nobody knows for sure, but the way absolutely everyone is betting is that the Ofcom document says he must be referred to the Competition Commission for further examination. The News Corp Sky bid does present issues of media plurality. So had a co- and he talked about media plurality today, didn't he? Yeah, he did indeed, without sort of addressing yeah. the, this, this enormous once-in-a-generation decision. Uh, he's too scared to talk about that in public. Uh, and so we're kind of waiting for Jeremy to take a decision. Every day that goes by, it increases the sense that he is going to perhaps overrule Ofcom or come up with some kind of sweetheart deal with news. He's going to be a brave minister if he does that. That's where we are uh, right now. Maggie, but Maggie would be outraged if there was a sweetheart deal, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. Um, I think it does need to be um, looked at properly by the Competition Commission, simply because look at the degree of opposition to it. I mean, if we live in a democracy, then we have to, have, we have to be sure that we have a transparent process. I can say, though, that I was expecting, and I'm sure Dan thought too, that by now we would have got to this conference and he would have made his decision. So he's had to sort of put a local TV higher up the agenda. I think this, this is all about politics, yeah. because he's actually still mulling over... Mm what to do about about this contentious bid. All right, uh, staying with Matters and Murdoch, and in an, albeit in a, another part of the Dirty Diggers garden, uh, News International, Dan, have uh, changed their tune a bit on phone hacking uh, this week, haven't they? Can you explain uh, uh, wh- wh- how we should read the runes there? What happened this week uh, is that uh, Glenn Mulcair, who's the private investigator... He was jailed for his part in the uh, royal hacking controversy of, what, 2005-2006. He was employed by the News of the World uh, to hack into uh, phones belonging to aides of Prince William and Harry. Now, Mulcair is now facing a whole lot of, uh, uh, of civil suits, as is the News of the World. Deanna Miller, uh, a few other people. Yeah, Steve Coogan, Andy Gray, all sorts. And one from Sky Andrew, high-profile football agent, uh, uh, acts of people like Sol Campbell and so forth. And that one was in court this week, wasn't it? Uh, correct. And this is rather important because until now, Mulcair has, been, Mulcair has been repeatedly asked to name names. Who ordered you to do what you did? And Glenn Mulcair has consistently refused to do so, arguing it would incriminate himself. But in the Sky Andrew case on Monday, he said uh, he had been told, uh, he had been ordered by somebody. That somebody was Ian Edmondson. Uh, he was the number three at the News of the World. He's already been suspended. He was suspended in, quietly in December. Uh, when his name or the name Ian emerged on a lot of documents that Mulcair had in the context of the Sienna Miller case. So uh, that makes things look tougher in Edmonton. But here's the important point. When all that was put to, to News International uh, on the Monday, they described this allegation as very serious. And it was pretty clear from that remark that they are just distancing themselves from, their suspended, um, from the suspended executive and they're trying to, I think, move away from the deny, the deny, deny, deny strategy a little and from the let's do... Covert, one rogue, rogue reporter. The one rogue reporter and let's do quiet settlements, where, where quiet confidential settlements, and let this play out in the open a bit more and say, well, if there is new evidence, show us the evidence, and if it comes out, we will act on it. So uh, that, that's dangerous. In, I can see why they're doing that in, in one sense, deal with everything as it comes up, um, and hopefully it'll all play out eventually. Um, the danger is that it just creeps up a bit further every time, doesn't it, and starts to look like it, um, it was the general culture rather than just the exception to, uh, to the rule. Uh, bang on. It's a high-risk high strategy here because the way the story is likely to unfold is full of sort of incremental legal developments. Each story in and of, of, of itself 
wouldn't be that significant. But taken together, drip, 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 you know, one every, I don't know, every week, every couple of weeks, it, it's a kind of coverage that nobody would, no, nobody would want. And, and that is, I think, the issue that's facing in News Corp. And, and the problem is they don't know all the information and evidence that's out there, so they don't know if there is that smoking gun. Uh, all right, great. Um, let's uh, spend uh, perhaps just a minute or two... Uh, or maybe just a minute, on uh, Channel 5, Maggie. Uh, So without deviation, hesitation or repetition, can you tell us about... uh, I know it'll be difficult for you. Can you tell us about uh, what's happening with OK Magazine and OK TV on Channel 5? We're going to have a a wonderful new shiny programme, replacement programme to live from Studio 5 on uh, every evening. I can't wait. I can't wait. Far more interesting news about Channel 5 is that Vanessa Felt started her new TV show on Channel 5 this week and a radio show on Radio 2, which more people we're talking about, I think. Um, did you get up very early to listen to her on Radio 2? Have you seen her I'm, on... I'm a Radio 4 girl, and uh, I mean, I couldn't possibly, possibly start my day with Vanessa Phelps, although I think she's a wonderful broadcaster. I'm very interested in the fact she never does email. Did you read that about her? She doesn't do any new media whatsoever, and she protectively hugged her cushion when an interviewer asked her why she was so phobic about it. Interesting. Um, uh, we should mention before we go, because we did trail it at the beginning, that uh, Eric Huggers is leaving his job uh, as the BBC's head of Future media and te- technology. D- does that make him a hugger and a quitter, I wonder? Um, but he's... Uh, um, will, he, will he be missed, do you, uh, do, uh, do you think, Maggie, at the BBC? Yes, of course he'll be missed. He's a class act. Uh, but, you know, what does he face? A quarter of his staff and a quarter of his budget going. Um, he's been attacked for doing kind of high-profile things like taking... Too many uh, taxes. Too many taxes, but in the vast expanses of LA. Uh, of course he'll be missed. Uh, but it, it brings them nearer to... Well, what's actually going to happen at the BBC? is that there will be, there will, we've just heard Mark Thompson talking about technology and platform development. There's going to be less development of things like that. They won't be able to lead the way in things like 3D production. They just are now having to hunker down and contract. Dan, do you think that it's, a, it's, a, it's bad um, for the BBC that he's leaving or uh, will, will, will they survive? Look, the BBC is a pretty big and successful organisation, and has been through many executives. But but Huggers made a you know Huggers made a real difference. Uh, he he sort of he basically brought on the iPlayer as is. He's made it the massive success that it is, and he, he switched. I think as well described. I think in the Financial Times uh, this morning is taking the Beeb away from a sort of iTunes download model to a YouTube streaming model, and you know that really worked. And that's that's actually quite a massive legacy for the corporation. Uh, he's, he's off, of course, to uh, to Intel. So that means we have to pause. It is, it is the law, actually. It is, do you realise it is the law that, uh, that you have to play the Intel theme tune every time you, you mention Intel? Um, uh, but now, you know who's... We probably should have our own theme tune. Every time we have our name, we can have a little jingle. Uh, Caroline Thompson, the BBC's Chief Executive Officer, takes uh, on responsibility for, here, for uh, future media and technology. She was sitting behind me uh, here at the uh, conference, and it, uh, I mean, it'd probably be a bit indiscreet to tell you what she, I overheard her saying. But she, like, well, she turned to her, her, the person sitting ne- next to her, and they were, he was, she, they were talking about her new responsibilities she was talking about her new responsibilities and she, and she said yes uh, that, that, that's another bit of the BBC I'm responsible for that I don't understand anything about so whoops yes sorry Caroline uh, but uh, I'm sure that uh, Huggers left a decent handover note so that uh, you'll uh, be able to mug up on it uh, quite soon okay uh, well we'll leave it there thank you very much uh, Dan Saber and Maggie Brown uh, we'll hear from you again on future editions of the podcast no doubt uh, thank you very much to you for listening we'll be back in the warmth of the Media Guardian studio next week but from the Oxford Media Convention thank you for listening I've been Matt Wells the producer is Ben Green see you soon bye bye 
For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.